Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I'm your host, Camden. And I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. A show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. This episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. Um, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a membership platform for creators to build relationships with their most loyal of fans. It is a tier re- uh, tier-based reward system where you can donate as little as $1 and get bonuses uh, at each different tier, such as live streams, our access to our Discord channel, and special things, including artwork. I think Brandon does uh, one piece of art for a month for a random patron, yep. um, which is nice. Um, and if you like his art, you can act. He's actually does commissions. Uh, his top full body color is only twenty dollars, which is a steal. That being said, we want to thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy, where everything's made up and your rolls don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your rolls are like. That's weird. There's usually something there. Yeah, must be because we're on a cliffhanger episode. Could be. I think so. God. I should have. <laughs> We have a really great show for you today. Um, unfortunately, Brandon will not be joining us. Uh, he will not be joining us for a few weeks. He is now on second shift. So while we figure out the best way to do it, um, carefully, probably have guests on. I know Camden has opted to fill in uh, for a little bit. So thank you very much, Camden. We appreciate it. Um, but he'll he's on second shift, so we'll have to figure out something at some point. That being said, we have a really great show. Before we get to our show, we like to start off on a high note by giving away wonderful prizes. Good prizes. Compliments of Goblin Stone. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Camden, who's our winner today? Our winner today, Major Issue OG. Uh, congratulations to Major Issue OG. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Goblinstone know. Tell him what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product. Um, today we got a great episode for you. We are, we have a question from one of our patrons, Samuel. Our main topic today, if you haven't figured out, is cliffhangers. And we have really, I got some really fun honor tips and tricks for you guys today. I'm really excited. Tools that you can bring with you on your next adventure. But before all that, we have... In the realm, where we talk a little bit about what's going on in our life. Camden, what's going on in your realm? Um, I started a new campaign yesterday. Nice. Like, That's exciting. Yeah, with uh, entirely new people I've never played with before, um, but it went really well. Properly primed it with a session zero, and it was very smooth. Is there anything that sets your campaign apart from others? Not yet, other than I'm, uh, I'm running it with all um, comedy people. Like they're all comedy artists. They all do sketch comedy and improv. Um, mm-hmm. So the role play is pretty, pretty intense. That sounds like a lot of fun. 
yeah fantastic that's exciting uh definitely let us know um as you progress through how it goes keep us up to date all that jazz will do justin what's going on in your realm we played giant killer robots heavy hitters yesterday me ian and brandon yeah um if you've not seen this game oh my god these minis are baller it's like armored core like the board game where you like Build, and correct me if I'm mistaken. They're, they're this big. Yeah, they're, they're what, five inches maybe? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very highly detailed mechs. We got pictures that we posted on our Facebook. And have them said, screw Ian. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, anyways, uh, you, you build your deck out of, like, uh, 25 uh, cards. A lot and, more than that, but well, you make it a 25-card deck. It's a 25-card deck, but there's a lot of choices. Yes. And you build your mech out of, like, the components of those cards. And as you, like, take damage, you mill away your, your deck, so you start to lose functionality. It is by far, bar none, the best mechanic for taking damage in, like, something that can fail that I have come across in a board game. Would you agree? Yeah. The first few seconds were kind of rough because both of them attacked me, and I thought they were going to tag team me. But turns out that after about three rounds, he was so far ahead. Uh, Brian and I <laughs> uh, teamed up, uh, hashtag te- teamwork uh, on Ian, and he still kicked our asses. More like you attempted to team up on me. Yeah, we got we still got our asses kicked like a bunch of little biatches. So to be fair, uh, I just had the, the devil's luck that round. <laughs> so each each pilot is like sponsored. Yeah. Um, by a corporation. So when we started playing spells, we were making like random bullshit of why that person was poisoned like i think i had like hammer industries or hammer something yeah and so i like was like how you feeling and he's like uh i'm good i was like are you sure that taco you had last night wasn't uh, isn't bothering you hammer industry sent that to you and it was like a poison taco that makes him like have disadvantage when he attacks or some shit um it's pretty fantastic lots of uh lots of meta for like building complex strategies which is amazing it was fun yeah can't recommend enough that's what we did like for a couple hours yesterday and Got to check it out. GKR Heavy Hitters. So that's really what's going on in our realms. Yeah. Ian, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can visit other realms by going to our sponsor, Audible, where they can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. All you got to do is either go to our website or go to audibletrial.com slash critacademy. And our website is critacademy.com for that those who don't know. Um, that being said, I think we're ready to move on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment, where we answer listener-submitted yep. questions. Question comes today from patron Samuel. I have a question about the time stop spell. If a lich casts time stop and then cloud kill, let's assume he rolls max on the time stop, being five rounds, you know. Uh, do uh, any creatures affected by cloud kill have to suffer the effects for five rounds? Or do they suffer the base of their perception being one round when they perceive it? Before I give my response, since I've already answered him, what are your thoughts on this? I'm going to say, strictly speaking, uh, uh, with Raw, I'm going to say yes, it does affect it all five rounds. Okay, and what words did you use to interpret it, that? That you, that you take damage each round you're standing in it. Okay. I mean, what else is there to say? I agree with Ian, because it is stipulated in the spell flavor text. Well, not even the flavor text. For which spell? Cloud kill. For cloud kill. That creatures are affected even if they hold their breath or don't need to breathe. Okay. Um, So I'm going to say it does affect them all all five rounds as well. I I believe you're both mistaken. Okay? Okay. uh, Shit, I'll tell you why. Wouldn't be the first time. 
You, brief, you briefly stop the flow of time for everyone but yourself. No time passes for other creatures while you take a D4 plus one turns in a row, during which you can use actions and move as normal. All right, so no time passes for other creatures. So now the question comes is the other spell affected by the time stop spell or not? Because as far as the players are concerned, here's the answer I think I wrote them out. Uh, wrote out for him was i reckon it wouldn't break time stop they are frozen in time so not breathing or absorbing the gases when they unfreeze they breathe in and take the uh, start of their next turns uh, and find themselves affected by the cloud kill in normal time no one is affected by cloud kill on their turn it is cast only if they start their turn in it or move or are pushed into the area on any turn now i could definitely see it ruled that way in the home game as as perhaps like rules as intended so the reason I think that's the way it works is because while the, the wizard who cast the spell is unaffected by time in normal sense, the other spells and, and the, the player specifically not being part of an action aren't given time to be affected by the, the, the spell. And the fact that it says it takes to the beginning of your turn means there's a certain amount of time that has to take place before it takes effect on the character. Yeah. Well, still, the turn still happens, it just... No, their turns don't happen. I think that's what the sp- time stop spell is saying, right? Well, no time passes for other creatures. Well, it still hits them in the initial order. It doesn't does, does act. Well, it doesn't say it hits. It does any damage until their turn. By that logic, if you hit him four times with a sword, they wouldn't get damage. No, because you're you're when you make an attack, that's when the damage takes place. Right. When you cast cloud kill, the damage doesn't place take place immediately. I, it's on a delay. Right. On it without any changes. Right. Right. So in that sense, that if it's not being affected, I cast it, you still have a, a, an action or a time to react or do something. In this case, maybe get out of it. <laughs> I, would, I would argue that although the other PCs would not be able to take their turns, I would suppose that every point in time that passes by in the outside world, but not for them, they would still need to make that constitution saving throw, which right. they would automatically lose. Right. I... Because and Sam here is still to. pitching that it would just take all damage all at once, at, once a time resumes for them. And I could see it, that argument, too. Um, I, I kind of uh, agree with uh, Camden, with the exception that the Cloud Kill spell says when a creature enters the spell area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there. Um, and since they haven't started their turn yet... Because if, if you stipulate, well, they do, but they don't. Well, let's say somebody you cast cloud kill and uh, Camden and I are duking it out, and I grapple him and drag him out. If I drag him out of the area before his turn, he doesn't take damage. Welcome back, Sarah. Welcome back, Sarah. Um, so, so in the end, the way I would rule it is that that spell would no, not do any damage until the start of that person's turn. Yeah. Personally. I, I think that we actually have some disagreement on this one, but that's okay. Yeah, no, that's okay. I think that we would probably each rule this a little bit differently, but I can see the potency of those uh, spell, th- those kind of combo spells. Oh yeah. Now this is our; these aren't raw answers. So if you disagree with us, please send us an email and let us know why. Um, but obviously, we would rule them slightly different, and I think that that's okay. I think either way, if you let that have all of its effects in one shot, that becomes a much more deadly spell. Or, yeah, anyway. Anyway, Patient Samuel, that's kind of the three of ours take on that. They're all a little bit different, but that's okay. Yeah, but which one's the right one? Mine. Because <laughs> I said so. 
<laughs> Sam says we are currently in a nerd argument over wording of a spell. Um, yeah, and so, yet not the nerd argument I've been in. I know, right? <laughs> um, any other notes on that? Um, I think that'll do it for our let's talk about blank segment. Um, Samuel, if we did not answer your question or did not give you an, an answer you're happy with, please send a email to the complaint department at critacademy at gmail dot com and send some money attached, like a check. I keep okay. saying five dollars, but I don't know why I don't say higher than that. I don't know, like a hundred bucks attached to it. We'll check it out. Put you right to the front of the line. <laughs> Actually, he's a patron, so he's kind of already paying us. <laughs> sure, so, uh, that's funny. Um, so, uh, moving on to our main topic, we have cliffhangers. Who doesn't love a good cliffhanger? Cliff. That is terrible, and you need to stop hanging out with Tater, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, you're probably asking yourself, Justin, what is a cliffhanger? Well, lucky for you, those of us here at Crit Academy, and by us, I mean me, have Googled it. When you hang (laughs) out in Cliff. Uh, You gonna start bringing Sylvester Stallone into this, too? No. Okay. Um... A cliffhanger is a plot device in fiction which features a main character in a precarious or difficult dilemma or confronted with a shocking revelation at the end of an episode of a serialized fiction. Dun, dun, dun. That's probably the most common noise that's associated with that big reveal type thing, right? Um, we all watch TV. We all read books. Cliffhangers are super common. You know, it's something that happens on almost every season finale of any show you watch, right? Because they want you to want to come back to the next season, right? Who died in the last episode of Walking Dead? <laughs> Tune in the next season and find out. <laughs> Camden, why do you think as DMs or our uh, RPG game masters should we care about cliffhangers? Well, Justin, uh, it leaves the players wanting more. It's an excellent way to generate excitement and interest for the next game session. We know this works because it's pretty much the formula for countless TV shows, books, and movies due to the Zygarnik effect, which Ooh, that's states a big word. remember uncompleted or interrupted tasks better than ones that they did complete. Um, do you guys think that's true? To an extent, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, yep. Mm-hmm. See, because anytime somebody interrupts me when I'm talking, I forget what I was going to say. That doesn't take much. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> so for me, I feel like it is the opposite effect, unless I'm watching TV or something, you know. Um, but that's definitely a tool that's used. Now, obviously, for being uh, the advantage that like those TV shows and books and stuff have um, is the story is... 100% pre-established, right? So you can calculate every single moment leading up to that point and decide when it, the best point is to cut off, correct? Hit, a, yes. hit that, George R.R. Martin. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit different for us when the players have so much agency, isn't it? Yep. So it can be a little trickier sometimes. You're keeping an eye on that chat, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just it's just Father Tate shitting on you. Yeah, it's kind of how it always is. <laughs> Father old and man like Tate. shitting on his uh, shitting on himself. He's making jokes about his marriage, old man you know? Tate. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, Sam. I just lost connection to Melody of just discovering cliffhanger. I thought it was some. Planned a super secret epic episode cliffhanger midstream. That would have been horribly douchebaggy of me. 
<laughs> or what we did to that one uh, group of people during our panel. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I wanted so, to bring that up. What were you going to say, Camden? So a cliffhanger is and stop stream. <laughs> we'll see you back next week. <laughs> um, doing a, a cliffhanger as a, as a game master is a little bit different, but it can be done, and when it's done it can have a huge and profound impact on the game. Um, a good example is when I, we re- recently went to, uh, a couple months back, went to a um, convention and ran a panel. And our, our players, we were running out of time, so I had to find a good stopping point. And we got to the point where we described this big, giant, big, bad boss. He's, he's, he's kind of towering bum, over the bum, players. He's emitting this energy that's weighing down the players. And bum, then we just bum, stopped bum, it. Bum. And said, we'll see you next year when we finish it. Um, not only was time a constraint, but that was a, a crazy place to, uh, a good place to stop because this deity or this demon or whatever it was, was crawling out of this portal and has been released after being tracked forever. And the characters wanted to know, what's he going to do? And they didn't get to see that. So that hopefully left an impression that they want to come and experience. Um, or I could wrap it up in 15 minutes after we actually finish recording. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, uh, going through and trying to figure out what types of cliffhangers are best, we kind of came to a consensus of, of five different types of cliffhangers and what separates them from each other. And so we have some uh, pointers on how best to, uh, what a good cliffhanger includes. So, Camden, can you tell us about the big reveal? Absolutely. So the big reveal is a sort of cliffhanger that happens when a major plot point or twist is naturally revealed to the PCs. Probably one of the most recognizable of these is um, the turning point in Star Wars, um, The Empire Strikes Back, when Luke finds out that Darth Vader is his father, discovering that someone of importance has a different role than the heroes previously believed can have a huge shocking effect on them, even leaving them in awe yeah i think that that's a great example um because everybody remembers that moment now i was fortunate enough that i was born so late that i could watch the next one immediately but (laughs) can you imagine what it must have felt hey tate how did it feel when you were in there watching star wars (laughs) and and, uh you found out you know luke is the son of darth vader (laughs) um i mean something like that is going to start tossing thoughts into your brain it's going to get you eager to want to see the next one and we might have a first-hand account here in a second <laughs> or another good one too is uh anger and Legon. like for like the first half of the series you basically like uh, fight they're fighting the spiral king who's like they thought was like a supreme dictator of earth who was oppressing all of them but then you find out for spoilers for those who have not seen it oh he actually had a good reason for everything he did <laughs> it was actually was keeping humanity alive from the aliens so what he did had had a purpose. That's a huge. That's a huge reveal. Yeah. To find out this you this guy who you thought was a big bad evil motherfucker turns out to be he had everyone's best interest at heart. Yeah. It turns out that once the, the human population got too big, the aliens would attack again. <laughs> so it was a kind of a way to control him. Yeah. Uh, what other big reveals can you think of, Camden? And any other uh, points or? Uh, I points? I'm thinking of. I think it was one of our. Let's talk about blanks where um, someone was talking about how uh there's a there's a character that the dm originally intended as evil and the pcs have been trailing him around and like a couple of the pcs like idolize him but he's actually the evil character i i could imagine 
that having a huge impact when that big reveal happens. Yeah. And do this, you guys remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, and it's funny because normally I don't remember that stuff. Um, I, I do remember talking about that. Um, what I think makes the big reveal so powerful is, in my opinion, it's probably one of the easiest ones to tie into the the previous campaign story or previous events. Um, for instance, uh, you know, every there's a guy in uh, one of my homebrews who they always run to the the Mr. Awaka, the uh, the traveling merchant that I stole right out of Final Fantasy X, and he always is available when the players are traveling. He just he goes around. He's always there. And there was a, a a big reveal in the end that he was documenting their travels, which is why he was always there. And they they found out that he was feeding information to the big bad. And the big bad was always one step ahead of them when they started to plan because Owaka would subtly ask questions about, you know, their adventures. And of course, players are going to be excited to tell somebody about them, right? If you start asking about it, then of course they might embellish a little bit. But when they found out that the big bad already knew what they were doing because they had already told him, that was a hell of a reveal for the players. They're like, son of a bitch. And a lot of stuff that happened up to that point started to make sense. Yeah. Anyway, and there's some other of our p- patrons here pointed out, like uh, Thanos snapping his fingers in uh, Avengers Infinity War, or as Taylor pointed out, in Game of Thrones, just something cliffhanger because of all these storylines that are going on. Oh, yes. yeah. And uh, he also asked, too, have you ever had the experience where a cliffhanger was caused by the player's decisions and it didn't expect it? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely, yes. Um, and I think I actually talk about that later, but I might as well go ahead and get into it now. Um, when players make a decision and I'm not prepared for it, if the game's gone long enough, I can try to end at a good moment leading up to a decision that I'm not sure where it's going to go. So, for instance, if I've planned for them to meet this noble, and I have no combat set up um, planning for this because there was no reason in God that these players would want to even engage these people. Theoretically. Theoretically. And they turn around and decide they're going to kill him. I'm going to do all I can to lead up to the engagement with the role play and talk it up. Maybe describe how he draws his blade and it begins to glow and, you know, everything I could to talk it off and then cut it off there. Not only did I build up, uh, spend a few minutes building up to the opportunity, maybe arguing back and forth, but it also gives me another week to prepare for actually what's going to happen. And now I got to figure out what the hell the glowing sword's going to do. <laughs> Actually, that kind of made me think, too, of, um, I never actually played the MMO, but, like, uh, the first trailer for Star Wars The Old Republic, uh-huh. when the ship crashes into the giant temple, mm-hmm. and, the, and the hatch opens, and you see one red lightsaber pop, pop, pop on, but then you see a whole mass of them play flip mm-hmm. on, you're like, oh, crap. Right. Because, <laughs> um, like, let's face it, at that point, you never saw anything like that before Right, right. That was that was That was a first, wasn't it? Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Um, did you have any other talking points on the big reveal there, uh, Camden? No. Uh, as as has been mentioned, it's pretty simple and the easiest one to do, and conversely, pretty powerful. Yeah, it, it can be tied directly to like their 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 uh, to the campaign setting, which is a big thing for me. I love big revelations. Ian, do you want to tell us about action cliffhangers? All right, for action. How about? Ending a session just as the players reach the big villain that they have been chasing throughout the campaign. And often, this is the most common form of cliffhanger and the easiest to set up and see coming. Action cliffhangers leave the players with a heightened sense of excitement and the uncertainty of combat. 
Leaving the game ending before the combat can lead the players to spend time between the next session, perhaps planning and plotting what they'll do when combat starts. So be ready for any potential surprise combos. And this can be quite useful if you're running out of time or content that you've prepared, or maybe in under the, the battle is in sight, which we kind of discovered. Yeah, that's what I just uh, answering uh, per uh, um, Sam's uh, question. That you know, the action okay. one, in my opinion, is the easiest. It is flat out the easiest to do because you can just say, "Okay, we're going to stop there before you fight the big bad." And Sarah here just said that she did that with a session for Storm King. Yep, yep, super, uh, super. Um, I know uh, Camden mentioned the big reveal being easier. I actually think the action is probably the easiest um, because you can stop at any point. And what's great about it is it is the most flexible in the fact that you can plop it anywhere that, oh, shit, the players surprised me. Um, Oh, they decide they're going to go investigate this thing that I have no story on. Um, Okay, well, I'm just going to make it up going from here. And, oh, they're going to... A roll a die. Oh, a giant T-Rex attacks them. They did a crappy survival roll. Now they're going to fight something random. I describe, you know, the big giant T-Rex, you know, roaring and belling. It's swatting trees down with its tail. And, you know, it roars and everyone's, you know, innards begin to, you know, vibrate. And I'll see you next week type okay. of thing. Okay. First off, Sarah, props for giving a shout there to Attack on Titan. And I think she may have uh, mentioned the session stopping when you stopped the session that one time. Which session? I don't remember. Storm King's Thunder. When there's a whole row of giants chucking boulders into the oh, city. Oh, right, right, right. How does she know about that? Did we talk about that? I think she played Storm King's Thunder. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So in Storm King's Thunder, there's the the t- one of the towns is surrounded by like twelve like storm giants, um, and they just begin a barrage of chucking rocks and boulders and crushing things. Great place to stop. Because yep. <laughs> the whole world is cr- coming down around the players. Yeah. And you can go into super detail as that's happening. Give may, you could choose to give the players an option to take an action or what they're going to do before. Maybe go up, you know, along some ramparts or take cover in a building. But if you just go into this describing how the world's falling around a part of, or around them and just stop, that way you got a fresh start to combat. As soon as the game comes back, it will give them a lot of time to think about the scenario. It'll give them a lot of time to figure out what they want to do, nice. any team combos that they want to do. And as a DM, make sure you put on your yes and hat so that you can be ready for that. Um, Sarah said she's DMing it right now. It's a it's a it's a really really fun one. Yeah. Um, I hope you run the, I hope you run the part with all the NPCs a little better than I did. I had too many new people and it didn't go super great. Um, yeah, and there's a couple, and a couple of NPCs like, how on earth could you even possibly survive this encounter? <laughs> that's that's part of the challenge. But anyway, no, no, I mean at all. That's part of the challenge. No, run I mean, and hide. at all. Run and hide. Run and hide, motherfucker. Run and hide. Um, One person dead, and they still died. Yeah. <laughs> they did. The building came crashing down on them. Um, Camden, do you have any other uh, talking points on this? Anything that you uh, think would add uh, to the enhancement of this or the uh, heightened sense of excitement and uncertainty of combat? I would say as the nature of this is... I would say as the nature of this is action, make sure to describe the buildup in very vivid detail this can't be this can't be like the big reveal where it's like and you find out this (gasps) loot and that's it 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 has to be like and then you turn around and a giant looming figure standing before you the shadow casts out hundreds of feet and his sword bursts into flames 
and swipe from behind the curtains. A dozen rogues appear, and then the leader snaps his fingers, and the room goes dark. Oh, that's nice. That's um, cool. so that, that was a good one. Um, both of you guys have really great examples. So when you're doing the action, make sure that um, this is a good way to do it. Um, but don't, don't in, in any of these, don't overuse these. Um, yeah. If you overuse them, it becomes an expectation, and it'll be lose its kind of pizzazz, so to speak. And Sarah, just give another good tip. Uh, tweak the NPCs just a bit so they match up with the characters' backstories, and it gives the players more investment in the game. Ooh, that's really good. I wish I would have did that. <laughs> um, our next cliffhanger is the emotional roller coaster. Why just toy with their minds when you can toy with their fragile emotions? Matt. The easiest way to pull this off is with attachments. We all know attachments. We all have attachments. Most notably and most frequent of these is killing off an NPC that the players have built a strong attachment or love for. Back out, Bob! Especially if this NPC has been around and helpful to the PCs for a good length of time. You know, this type of cliffhanger often takes place at a moment of extreme high tension. We just talked about, you know, the 12 frost giants tossing all the boulders into the city. If one of those happens to hit a weakened player and, um, or hits a, a weakened NPC, or they're all weak, I guess, in most cases, hits yeah. a, uh, if, if they crush Tiny Tim! <laughs> in a moment of high tension, you can push it even further by placing uh, a PC in potential danger as well where the moment of uncertainty that's there can really pull pull on them. So for instance, we talk we all we, we we've all had NPCs die. How often do you have somebody that dies that's important or that has an attachment to all the players? Um, if you start off at level 1 in this little village and you're always going to, you know, Brom the storyteller um, to hear about the local, you know, lore or whatever, and he's your constant source of information, whether it's rumors of monsters or what have you, and he's always giving you advice of best ways to bring the enemy down or, or best where to find him, and he's constantly there giving you the tools you need to help succeed, and then one day sacrifices himself uh, in front of a monster that he maybe he gave you the wrong tip of advice, and it's overwhelming you, and he comes and saves the day and dies. That really can... Uh, <laughs> mess up with mess with the players especially if you as the dm are a great role player and have really invested yourself in that character what are you laughing about a glad to inspire you sarah and b ed we did not kill brandon no we did not kill brandon (laughs) (laughs) um i think when npc got overly attached to one time it wasn't a fourth egg game and the us the pcs were part of a siege mm -hmm. and one of the generals in charge of our fortress was lord ironhide like from transformers that's why i got attached to him (laughs) Lord Ironhide. That's awesome. What's crack a little bitches? <laughs> hey damn, is he a Warforge? Please tell me he's a Warforge. No, he's not a Warforge. Oh Um Okay. PC says, Yes, Ironhide, we shall roll out. That's hilarious. And and kudos to you for the pop culture references. Um and then you can take this one step further. Uh we've we've all had characters who go on con- who get knocked unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. And are just left to roll death saves. Now you've heard my thoughts on death saves, how you can improve it by giving them a vivid, you know, dream or something for a few seconds to describing something in their past, give a chance to build the character uh, a little more while they're, you know, unconscious. How would it feel if they get knocked unconscious, a battle is ensuing around them, they roll their dice, and they fail. The enemies continue assaulting the players, the last of the NPCs are able to tear the last of the cobalt's down you're down to your last death save 
And the DM says, I'll see you next week. Ha! Your character, two death saves, and you won't know if you die until the following session. So you build them. Got it. <laughs> um, this is not one that I've used, but I am super stoked to give a shot because I've had numerous encounters where people, you know, they go unconscious, mostly because I'm a douche. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, ending and leading the player bleeding out leaves them in a moment of suspense that really adds to the game and makes them really have to wonder about the, the, the what's going to happen to their character. Because you could easily just say, oh, give me your death save. Okay, you're good. Or hang out there, leave that tension. What do you think about that, Camden? I think it's a great idea. I think that would be pretty crazy if you could time, if you could time that out. Um, my other thought would be uh, back to killing NPCs. Um, on top of like an NPC that they formed a relationship with, um, if you have uh, you have particularly emotionally inclined, particularly outgoing players, give them uh, give them a cute like companion, like an animal or a oh. fake creature. Oh, that follows them around, and then like put that in danger. You don't have to kill it, but like it gets kidnapped and it disappears or something. <laughs> that reminds me of a eventually league when like a uh, wizard character. And this character was remember like a I don't know what like a twelve year old girl. And she nonchalantly just cast Thunder Wave. But the problem though was it took out our Beastmaster's wolf. <laughs> <laughs> and she was more traumatized that she took out the wolf than anything else. <laughs> oh my gosh, I took out your wolf, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she didn't give a crap about us, but the wolf uh, went down. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh that'll do it for that one. Um Camden, would you like to tell us about moral ambiguity? So a, a cliffhanger that would involve moral ambiguity would involve confronting the players with a strong ethical or moral dilemma that requires immediate action, but then yanking the rug out from under them with a see you next week, and they, they have to wait to you know, act on it. Uh, we did an episode on this, episode 15, the, our, uh, our encounter of the podcast, I believe, was Time Will Tell, uh, where heroes must choose to let a child die with a known dark future um, of that child, I presume. Yeah, that was the one where um, the, the players encounter a, a child has been kidnapped, and it turns out that the witch or wizard warlock that took her actually is plagued by dreams and nightmares of the f- future of infants who are born in the mass genocide and, and evil deeds that they will do. So when the heroes arrive they're told this story and they have to decide, do they save the child who is going to have a future of burning an entire like temple or village or something? I play characters as a fireball child himself. So that would be a really good uh, example of something like that. On the flip side, I play characters that would defend this child to the last breath, but I like it. It's important to note that you make this decision a big one needs to be really heavy, allowing the potential murder of a small village, perhaps, um, or allowing a big bad evil guy, um, a big bad evil village rather, to escape to rescue an orphanage full of children, or having to choose between letting one of two good people die. Oh, my pirate toy let the orphanage burn. Oh my god. You know it's true. Evil people. Um, I think you're spot on. Those are some pretty good examples because um, sometimes the players have to make a decision that may go against what their belief is or their alignment and they're stuck in a situation where there is no right answer stay tuned to our encounter of the podcast um where if these two people are going to die who 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 do i choose you know if you say 
if you end it right there where they got to choose between, you know, uh, the mayor and, you know, the priest, you know, one runs the town from a more um, religious aspect where the other one's a more, you know, stable economics and governmental and, and financial situation. But they're both good people. If they have to make that decision, it's not it shouldn't be taken lightning and it should they should understand the the depths of and the reaches of that that'll have in the campaign. If you let the the religious uh, leader die, how is that going to affect the, the campaign moving forward? If you let the person who's running everything die, how is that going to affect the campaign going forward? So when you put these challenges in front of your players and you end on those scenarios, make sure that they have time to dwell on the way it'll impact it um, in the future between sessions. That can remind me too in the in the first game of the Mass, the Mass Effect series. There's that uh, one scenario where like you had to send your uh, squad members to different locations to mm-hmm. uh, fulfill the mission, and but then you get to the point where you manage to get all of them back, but the two characters you had to get back, Ashley and Caden, they're both being attacked by the enemy at once. They can only ch- choose to save one. That's rough. And the character that you don't go rescue does die. Oh, that's rough. And those deci- those are good places to end because... And actually, that decision does carry over into the next two games, too. Right. And and that, and that it should. Yeah. And, and so when you're running a, a, a moral ambiguity cliffhanger, make sure that it's something that'll not only affect the, the decisions of the character, but maybe even the the feelings in, in the player personally. Um, you know, somebody that... Uh, a person that has a, a, a mother, like... That ha- a real life mother who has two twins. If you put the decision to, uh, you can only save one of your twins. Um, that's probably going to mess them up in game and in real life. So uh, consider those things when you're really trying to uh, make it count. Yep, uh, I love moral ambiguity. <laughs> there is no wrong. There is no right. It's all somewhere in between. <laughs> the CIA hired me because they discovered I had a certain moral ambiguity. <laughs> that's funny. Um, Gross and- point blank, people. Yeah. Point blank. And that'll do it for that one. Uh, the next up we have is the Deus Machina. Oftentimes, heroes end up in hopeless and bleak situations, ending a session on a dark, abysmal situation that can be draining to the players. Adding an upswing can have a great effect on the game and players. Um, so, so a couple good examples of that would be... Um, the Battle of Helm's Deep. From Lord of the Rings to yeah. Two Towers. I actually don't remember that one as well, but I do remember uh, the Clone Wars when Anakin and Amidala are pinned up against the column, and you're, you're, they're surrounded by enemies, and these giant monsters are coming out about to eat them. Then all of a sudden, you see like a hundred lightsabers kind of light up. Yeah, and that was that's a moment where all if if you ended right there, would you end it where they're surrounded and potentially are expecting a TPK? Total party kill, or would you continue and end the cliffhanger as all the little lightsabers showed up? Yes. Okay, thanks for answering <laughs> that, Camden. <laughs> what do you think would be the best opportunity? Joking for that? aside, you really can't go wrong either way because they can both give you different t- types of cliffhangers. Because one of them is like, "Oh crap, we're so screwed." But the other one was like, "We actually survived this." Yes. I think it would depend on like how you want to keep your players in check. If you have a particularly chummy group. Uh, if you have a if you have a table that's getting getting a little too ambitious with um, the way they're playing their characters, oh. I would end on the darker tone. You know, right. oh, you're gonna die. Sorry, uh, find out what happens next week. You're but all going to die. If you've had like 
a dozen nat ones and they're just like fuck this i hate dnd never playing again <laughs> then you know light up the lightsabers yeah that's a that um I, I i agree i think you're right on i think it's um uh, a good situational uh choice um how you as the dm want to persuade uh, proceed with that but the point though is many battles can get players in a lot of hopeless situations like when enemies storm the gate they kill their allies left and right and your party is falling across when they bond troop in the winnings what hmm? <laughs> that makes no sense what, are, what does it say your party, party is falling faster than a blonde toupee in, in the Windy, Windy City. City. That makes perfect sense to me. And chances of success look nigh impossible. Hmm? <laughs> I might have I slipped something in there that probably shouldn't have been, but whatever. You're probably right. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. <laughs> and out of nowhere, a glimmer of hope, reinforcements, powerful beloved allied characters appear like Gandalf at the Battle of Helm's Deep. Oh yeah, that's that's the part. I knew that was in there for some reason. Or some other slim do none chance triggers giving a glimmer of hope. Whatever the case, be sure to end the scene and such it at this point before anything I mean anything can be resolved. Yeah, you don't want to give them time to run around and start doing shit. Right? Um Overall I think this is a a powerful tool and this is a great way to uh reinforce the fact that the players aren't all powerful. Um, because with something like this, you can if they get themselves into a situation that's too much, or if you put them in a situation that's too much, and they know they can't outtake uh, deal with it, giving them a few options that can help them do this. So let's say, for instance, um, we'll we'll use uh, the we'll keep the Star Wars reference. If your characters are quote unquote Anakin and uh, Amidala, there um, uh, leading up to that point. You should, as the DM, have options available for them to allow that support to come. Either give them an opportunity to find a way to reach an ally who's powerful and can change the tide of battle to get a message out to a, a friendly uh, uh, allies. In this case, was the Jedi, right? Um, some sort of way that they can send out a message but not know the response. Whisper a secret to a moth which will fly away in some of the eagles. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's right from that's from which one is that one from? Which uh, Lord of the Rings? Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, is it? Anyways, why don't you just take the damn birds the whole way? I don't know. Uh, be- be- because they hated humans at the time. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, but the point is, is that as the DM, you when you set this up, make sure you give those opportunities because as they're about to get their shit face kicked in. They might not know why didn't this work. They might think they might think that did I do something wrong, um, and it'll put that doubt whether they're going to succeed or not in their into their heads. So, uh, is there any other points you wanted to touch on there, uh, Camden? No, that's. I think that's it. And Taylor points out players sometimes just need a reality check all the time. Otherwise, they just might get cocky, and the DM story will get hijacked and turn to the Wild West with no clue what's going on. Yeah. You're not wrong. Apparently, Brandon's on the Discord. Oh, he's kicking it, kicking it. Shouldn't he be working? Probably. Right. Um, <laughs> um, so then we'll, we'll we'll leave you with this. Don't be afraid to mix and match those different styles as well to give you a hell of a cliffhanger. Um, mixing a you know a di- uh, an action scene with uh, a moral ambiguity scene can make for very interesting. And then combining mul- even more than that, maybe two or three of them to get a really big big whopper. No, Ryu. I killed your master. Um, in our show Light notes, rate. you'll find a few examples of good cliffhangers, a couple, uh, or one or two samples. Uh, if you can, include character backgrounds and back, backstories, and try to ensure that you let something happen that everyone's wanted to happen, 
Um, like when you watch your favorite character unlock superpowers and you're waiting for him to get to that point, something like that. And then, of course, probably the big one is make sure you do a reveal and and a a terrible betrayal. Those are some of the biggest things you can do to make sure your cliffhanger doesn't suck. Uh, That being said, that'll do it for our main topic today. Before we move on to our unearthed tips and tricks, we have one more gift to give away compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ian. Yes. Who's our winner today? Our winner is... Comorec.Andreas. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside You gotta take a stand and don't have to hide Were you Ginyu-forcing that? No, I dabbed, but yes, I think the Ginyu... I do think the Ginyu force dabs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny um, congratulations to Comorac Andreas um, if you enjoy the adventure please head on over and let Lorsmith know um, tell him what you like what you didn't like help him improve his products moving forward moving on to our fourth and final segment we have our unearthed tips and tricks where we bring you creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure our character concept is compliments of my buddy Luke yep Luke is the dude Yep, you heard him. He was uh, in one of our episode two, I think, and our recently released special episode of The Haunt. Um, His character concept is a hero reborn. This character has already experienced death. He was a single acolyte of a small temple. The temple was under attack by monsters. This hero decided the only way to save everyone was to sacrifice themselves by using themselves as a distraction, leading the monsters away allowing the children and the other villagers to escape. The gods observed this self-sacrifice, and using true resurrection, gave the young acolyte a second life. The character would go on to become a devout follower of that deity, thus becoming a cleric, a paladin, or maybe a celestial warlock. I have played a lot of D&D. I have never built a character that had already died. Has anybody else? Nope. I played characters that died in campaigns and came back. <laughs> right, but I- never... <laughs> I actually I homebrewed something, uh, and he was like a he was a human, but he was a half undead. So I gave him like little abilities mm-hmm. that an undead would have. So he was like a half undead. But I, I did homebrew a character for a friend that um, had died. So that's pretty close, yeah. So this one I've done a lot of different backstories, and I don't know why I never thought of a character who's not a hero becoming dying and then coming back for whatever reason and then deciding to become a hero because of that because they've been given a second chance that this this deity or even another person it doesn't even have to be a deity you worship it could be another another person who's strong enough to cast uh what is it is that a seventh level spell true resurrection something like that I love that your answer is always something like that unless you're 100% sure what it is nice it's high um <laughs> and so i think the char- this gives you a plethora of options this one talks about as an acolyte but really you could build whatever story leading up to your death that you wanted oh dang that's a good point he's played a revenant for some sessions is that that's a background right no that's a race 
Which book's that in? It, it was in, in Unearthed Arcana. But oh, the, that's why. Okay. But they did make it racial options in past editions, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Where mm. your character died and came back to life. That is your race. <laughs> You're undead. Oh. Very cool. Yeah, see, I didn't know that. Um, but that, that that changes the person, though. Yeah. They're, they're different. So, um, yes that, no. so I, can, I can see that. This one, I don't think that they're meant to be undead. They're meant to just be brought back to life. But in any case, I really like this character concept. I cannot look... I look forward to running my own character that had a, a not so heroic death, uh, and find out he was brought back to life by like accident or something. But um, I like this idea, uh, Camden. Well, what do you think? Wrong corpse. <laughs> I, I think this is a fantastic idea. I think the it's a it's a classic story that's been told before of people who were kind of either not so good or not remarkable in any sense, and they demonstrated some act of heroism that granted them awesome powers uh i think like in comic books steve rogers fantastic example does he really die though he didn't he doesn't die but he's a weaker character that is granted powers for his his character as like his his as a person right um and that's what gets him his powers because he understands what it is to be weak so yeah, that's that's awesome. That's a good character concept. Yeah. Uh, kudos to you, Luke. As usual. Yeah, he's a creative, creative guy. All right, that'll do it for our character concept. Um, our monster variant of the podcast is the Cranium Burster, which is a it's a <laughs> variant of the giant scorpion, um, with an added feature called implantation. If the scorpion sting attack reduces a grappled creature to zero HP or it bites a target that's already at zero HP, it implants an egg in the creature's skull through their eye socket. Wow. The deposited egg grows for um, two... What is it supposed to be? Ten days. Ten days. Two weeks. Understood. The deposited (laughs) egg grows for two weeks before hatching... If the implanted target is still alive, it loses a it loses one constitution every day and has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. After the first week, the victim is incapacitated and blinded. When the egg hatches on a young scorpion, half all damage and HP of the parent scorpion erupts from the victim's head, causing causing three d10 slashing damage. Damn. <laughs> a lesser restoration spell can kill the egg before its incubation. Uh, additionally, if you're the DM, you can add other special herbs or rare plants or something that the players can go on a quest for to help deal with it. Wow, um, if a character loses like a count point every day, that just makes that bursting so much worse. Yeah, and I wasn't, and I was actually torn. I'm not sure if it should be slashing damage or something else. What do you guys think? Slashing a, seems appropriate. Um, there's not really a thing in the player's handbook for exploding brain. Except for, uh, I think the Illithid does that, doesn't it? I would. There is such a thing as force damage, correct? Yeah, but that's magical, isn't it? it doesn't have to be. I would say it'd be closer to bludgeoning and slashing. Maybe that's one it. part, yeah, one part slashing, one part bludgeoning. Um, anyways, the point is, is that um, this is definitely a direct ripoff of um, Alien. Alien, the chestburster. Obviously, I'm not hiding that. <laughs> um, I think it is uh, a, a great idea because if you got a character that you know is going to be gone for a little bit, you can implement these as one of the enemies, oh. and you could give a reason to why that character is missing. Or 
if you got a character who uh, a player that's infected with this um, we can be taken out of the game or is going to be away from the table for any reason um, is great. But also if they want to try something different, hey, I'm playing this character right now and I want to try something else. And they, you can use this as a way to do that in, in game. Otherwise, this character is going to have a hell of a time, is going to become an invalid, and is going to be need to be protected by the players while they seek out a solution to the problem. And it puts them on the timer, because if they don't figure it out soon enough... <laughs> I really like this character concept. Obviously, I love aliens. Um, derives right from that. Any other uh, point? Uh, interesting uses for something like this? No. Oh, man. Just like aliens, I can just see the thing crawling across the ceiling and the stinger just coming right down from the, the, the ceiling and, and getting you right in the head. I just know in Starfinder, my half-orc soldier, anytime he has an alien that can infest you with something, he always fails our check. <laughs> so that'll do it for our monster variant, the Cranium Burster. Although the, the ranger is like, ha! I've already really been infested. You can't infest me again. So I'm immune. Ha! That, that... That's fantastic. <laughs> that was his logic. <laughs> uh, our encounter of the podcast is the correct answer. The players are looking for direction to an object or a location or maybe even a person. Only one person knows of its location, an elderly old lady. When the PCs arrive, she asks them a simple question before revealing the location. The party, you as the DM can decide the party decides as a whole or individually, um, or you can let them decide. For maximum tension, I recommend using a timer for 10 to 15 seconds, or you yourself count down until they answer. Uh, another uh, idea I thought is that you could write it on, give them a chance to write it on a piece of paper and then submit it um, that way as well. But making them give an answer is pretty interesting. The old lady turns to them and says, If you answer the question incorrectly, I will not disclose the location. Your answer will be simple, either number one or number two. Any other answer will be considered incorrect. Here is your question. Bandits have captured your mother and your lover. You may only rescue one. Say one for your mother or two for your lover. Who will you save? <laughs> All right. So before we, we finish into this, what do you guys already think about this? I don't get along with my, my mom. I don't have no lover. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Camden? Uh, I think this is a wonderful idea. The old sage is usually is a fun NPC to play as a DM and mm -hmm. is a, it's a good setup. Um, <laughs> the elder lady will then inquire to the logic behind each one of their choices. Regardless of the answer, the players are given a map with magical ink that as a group they can all see, or if you do it individually, each of them can only see their own map. Wow, Al, that's just not uh, right. <laughs> regardless if the PCs pick one or two, their map leads to the wrong direction to an area full of traps, but are never told whether they got the answer correct. They're just handed a map and say they, they may pass. The correct answer to this is silence. Both choices are incorrect. Or Alan here proposes that, that they're the same person. <laughs> huh? Or Alan proposes that they're the same person. Your um, mom's your lover? Yeah, that's pretty that's that's <laughs> that's pretty bad. Um, so with the answer being silence, that means the goal is to let the timer run out. Because in this person's mind, is there really a right answer of who you choose? Back to Game of Thrones, I see, now, says. <laughs> you can use um insight checks to help 
in, in knowledge checks for the, the characters, if you want to let their characters be able to determine the trick, um, I wouldn't give them more than one check if they're going to do that. Um, the point of this is to make the players think that if they're, what if this situation does arise? What if they are putting a situation where they need to make this decision? What is the right answer? How do you prioritize that? Um, I think this is a very interesting uh, encounter because it forces the players to think what are the priorities of their characters in a way that isn't always identified or forced upon them for them to think about. Or Did maybe that, I don't know if that came across right. Or maybe given the characters relationship, that might affect their answer. Ooh, maybe. So did you have any uh, points you wanted to touch on with that, uh, Camden? No, no. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, there's one other thing you can do to really um, add to it. If you wanted to make this something that makes it even a little bit more throwing the players off, you could add, or add another contestant, somebody who is also trying to get to said item or said location or said person um, and have them approach the old lady first and answer and regardless of what they do, you might even tell them to, they might even give an answer, say one, they are handed the sheet and then they are said they can pass. So from a, that'll mess with the player's logic even more because now they're going to be confused as to, okay, well, obviously one is the answer because that's what he said. Or are they going to realize it's a trap and, and, and make their own decisions from there? That's a trap. Um, so... Um, simple encounter. Check it out. Use it. Let me know if you do use it. Let me know how it goes. Uh, that is our encounter of the podcast. The correct answer. And next up is Mitch. Um, is this from Alicia? It is from my wife. Wow. My wife doesn't play Dungeons and Dragons. She does not. <laughs> and the match item for today is the Goldman's sack. I see what she did there. The pouch what is me. The pouch is made of a soft silk, laced and stitched with gold. A silver ribbon weaves around the other edge. When pulled, tightly closes the pouch. Inside the bag is a circle with a sequence of runic sigils. Any gold that is placed into this pouch is permanently turned to silver after one minute. And once per week, 1d4 silver pieces disappear from the sack. It reappears in the creator's vault with the sack's matching sigil sequence. Uses. It is great for using smaller currency in shops, or getting lots of silver to coat weapons, or it could be used to inflate the value of gold. I'm gonna start putting like little breaks in there. Um, so Camden, what do you think about this? I think this is this is fun. I um <laughs> I I'm well, impressed that she came up with this and she doesn't play at yeah. all. Well, we were we were talking about something, and I told her I wanted to do something goofy, and she helped me uh, brainstorm some ideas. And then when she, uh, we were thinking about names for, because we decided we wanted to do something trickery. Um, and then she's like, well, now you got to come up with a cool name for us. Like, well, do you got a name? She's like, give me a second. So she did some research. She's like, well, Goldman Sachs. They're pretty good about screwing people over. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, I thought this was hilarious. And it's funny because how long will it take before the NP the players notice that every piece of gold they stuffed in it is no longer gold? That'd be funny. Oh, it's such a douche thing to do. Um, but I, al I also noted, uh, thought of some uh, interesting uses that uh, Ian just uh, had mentioned. Um, using it for smaller currencies at higher levels, it's harder to deal with smaller currencies sometimes. Do you uh, take a ruby? No. <laughs> um, I also thought that the 
silvering of weapons at higher tiers when you're fighting monsters that are nigh invincible. I'd say higher tiers, but I mean like five, six, seven, or whatever. But like lycanthropes and stuff, um, being able to convert any material into silver to silver those weapons is pretty powerful. And then, of course, you mentioned the inflating the gold. That's just downright evil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what's hilarious is I don't know how often my characters actually stop and go to shopping. um, But it's definitely after an adventure is over, after they've already looted everything. So to just watch as they open and reveal that 190 gold pieces is now 180 silver pieces. <laughs> They're like, where did the other 10 go? Um, for the DMs that are out there, uh, if you read the, uh, the description on Transportation Circle, it talks about a circle with sequences of runic sig- sigils around it. So if you really wanted, you could even allow like a high-level um, arcana check to determine what that is if they didn't have the spell. Um, but basically, whoever created these satchels sent them out and is pilfering the money from people. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not an item that's in the player's favor, for sure. Nope. Nope. But I wonder what kind of creative uses they would come up with for this. Like, what if a rogue likes to rob people and he gets caught? He's like, what are you talking about? I don't got no silver. Or I ain't got no gold. I think it's all silver. <laughs> that's downright terrible but i think the players could come up with some pretty creative uses for this um sam says he loves it players will hate it i look forward to finding out what the players do with the objects when they discover what it really is that'll do it for our magic item goldman sack um well sam asks about why would they use it over a bag of holding not every group gives out bag of holdings like they're candy you know candy they're not not every I'm actually relatively pretty uh, withholding of those. Get it? Withholding? Bag of holdings? Haha, see what I did there? Um, actually, the first one I've given away was part of an adventure module, because I don't usually give it away. But um, you, it's something more for early on. Um, but man, definitely be, uh, be fun. Sure. Um, our DM tip of this episode is uh, to minimize murder hoboing by giving the NPCs more names give his names to as many npcs as you can if the pcs meet a town guard have another one just leaving for his shift for the night call out good night bob say hi to mary and the kids for me <laughs> this will uh this will put some guilt on the on the pcs if they decide to go ahead and kill bob father of two husband of mary leaving his his family uh, <laughs> um, to, to grieve for him. Yeah, this comes from uh, Twitter user at uh, Wizard on the Wind. Um, Wind spelled with a Y. <laughs> um, I, I think that this is awesome because while I try to name my NPCs, I often don't name my guards or my, my random just... Half the time, some merchants don't even get names unless they ask for them. Um, and I think having little kind of one one way one liner conversations like this could really breathe life into the world as well as um make the players realize that they're not just a bag of stabbing meat yeah giving names to stuff that makes me a little bit more attached to them too yeah i mean can you imagine if uh camden you're in the dark shadow your dagger is drawn you're creeping up on two guards as they chit chat and as the closer you get you realize one has his billfold out and open, and hanging from it is a collection 
of photographs from his family as he's going down each one naming off his children. I would hope that would make you think twice about just stabbing him in the head. Because <laughs> you might change... I, I would hope that the players may say, okay, um, I can't stab this guy. He's got nine kids. Um, Billy, Jeannie, Marcy, Pick Jacob, Pigpen, Pig Pen, <laughs> Janet, Joshua. Damn, how many is that? I don't know. Anyways, Charlie Brown. <laughs> the point is, is then they might be they might be encouraged to use other means besides just stabbing them. Great. Nothing but the uh, old PC game, No One Lives Forever. Mm-hmm. They actually give all like the the enemies in the game actual dialogue as you're sneaking around. <laughs> <laughs> like a, it's like sneaking up behind two of them. Like they're actually having like a discussion. Like, so what is the meaning of life? Well, I never thought about that. I mean, I'm, are we just here? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that out of? Uh, didn't they do that in Red versus Blue? They they may have. The two guys are sitting there. It's like, hey, do you ever wonder why we're here? Uh, no. Well, think about it. The only reason we have a red base over here is because they have a blue base over here, over there. And the only reason they have a blue base over there is because we have a red base over here. So why do we have a base here? <laughs> Anyways, um, I think this is a wonderful... Uh, Apparently uh, Sarah's seen DM tip. Blue. <laughs> amazing show. Um, this is an amazing tip. I can't believe I didn't think about it myself. Um, I highly recommend giving these a shot. And you could easily just write out some random, like, a list of, like, ten things that you could just read when they approach a guard or a, or, or a person that they're planning on just stabbing in the face. Um, do you have anything you want to, uh, any other tips you guys want to add on to that? Comments? Alan says our group Ranger has currently killed an NPC who has a big family. He often sends them money because he feels guilty. Oh, that is awesome. Tell your, tell your player he is baller and he just en- earned 10 cool Crit Academy points because that's baller. <laughs> That'll make him think twice about shooting people in the eye. Tate. <laughs> Tate was saying when the rogue creeps up on that man with the with a lot of kids, and um, this is Justin. He just turned five. This is Ian. <laughs> this is Brandon. Camden. He's the oldest. He's about to turn twenty-two. Um, <laughs> maybe even throw if the if the players themselves have kids, even tossing some of those names. Snap! Oh. We're on to something. <laughs> that'll do it for our dungeon master tip thank you uh for your submission at wizard on the wind our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't, be, a don't dick. be a dick actually you can be a dick occasionally to the pcs with fantasy insult generator a new t- uh, new app that justin found <laughs> i um, love this thing <laughs> That automatically generates uh, archaic sounding insults. Oh, uh, and we've got some samples here. So in the in the um, you can Google it uh, and find Fantasy Insult Generator. Uh, there is a link in the show notes. I love this thing. I downloaded it and I just been calling everyone I know all kinds of shit. So I think we'll each we'll just alternate between each one, uh, going between the topics, and we'll kind of just give some examples. Uh, basically, the soundboard or the insult generator is not a soundboard. It just says types it. Out. It says it comes with basically three broad topics. The first one is the bombastic bombardment, the errant slippery gimp, soft tooth poxy ragamuffin, <laughs> what I bat fouling loon. <laughs> uh, and of course, you have fighting words, you insipid goat molester, <laughs> swag bellied goose, sleep shouldered nanny muggins. 
<laughs> what the fuck is a mini mug again? <laughs> oh my god. And then you've got just one liner petty jabs, you pig fiddler. Dewberry. Yeah. Yeah, Dellard. <laughs> um so not only is this cool because you can use it as a DM as insults to the player characters, but you as the players can use it as insults to the NPCs. Um, especially the fighting words um, is hilarious if you've got a uh, you've got a uh, like a barbarian or a fighter or a rogue. Um, the bombastic uh, bombardment combined with some of the fighting words is hilarious um, and really matches well with like the bard type build where you've got a, a tongue for insults and stuff. Um, so I really love this app. I can't recommend it enough. Oh, Vicious Mockery. Oh, Vicious Mockery would be the number one reason for it, yeah. Um, because some people struggle to come up with good insults for some of those things. Um, but even even having these in the middle of combat, if combat's kind of dragging on, having the, the, the big bad turn and called someone, somebody a soft dude poxy ragamuffin, what kind of swing is that? <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about that? I think it's fun. That's a good way to spark some inspiration. Pun intended. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, well, as Sarah pointed out, that stuff is from Shakespeare. Oh, is it? Straight out of Shakespeare. That's oh, see, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, so um, check it out. You can also like Google and look for Reddit, like vicious mockery jokes and stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, and again, that is the fantasy insult generator, which you can find on your app store. This player tip was brought to you by Crit Academy. For one episode, you can be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and that'll do it for our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment. Before we close out, we have yet another giveaway from our fabulous sponsor, Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, Exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Camden, who's our winner? Our winner of Dragon's Breath Tavern, courtesy of Jeff Stevens, is Fashbinder X Gaming. Flashbinder Gaming X, congratulations. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Jeff Stevens a review and tell him what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his products moving forward. Please join us for our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing campaign achievements. I'm super excited for this. Uh, yes, yes, that was the YMCA. Thank you. If you have any feedback, other tips and tricks, or topics you would like us to discuss, you can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com 
or send them to us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. Also, make sure to join our Crit Nation community uh, group. Um, a lot of stuff gets posted there that's uh, fun and, and kind of... It's mostly roleplay related, but it's not all serious like our main page needs to be. Um, so definitely check it out. I post their stuff regularly, though I kind of slacked when I went on vacation because, you know, yeah. there's no internet out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fun fun little group. Justin's like Justin's up in there like twice ooh. a day. I swear. Sam, <laughs> it's evil. I love it. What did Sam do? UTT. Mimic armor encounter. Oh yeah, uh, I uh, I I have that uh, stash for the another uh, uh, another one because you posted that after I had already had stuff for this episode. I have not forgotten you, Sam. <laughs> but that's still nice. It is nice. It was pretty funny. He has a whole description of it in the Discord. You should copy and paste it into the right Discord for the UTTs, though. That'd be great. We hope you've enjoyed your experience. <laughs> your what? We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to us on right now. Or you can simply send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show on over our email, critacademy at gmail.com or uh, anywhere on our social media. Yes, tell me how great we are. I love, love getting those. (laughs) Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. And make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. You'll also find links to our fellowship members there as well. And there's not a short list, too. No, uh, our fellowship members are awesome. Um, uh, I highly recommend checking out uh, Interparty Conflict. Gabe and Jeff do a great job of answering your questions to give you the best tabletop experience possible. And D&D Character Lab, they are hilarious. They argue, build characters and argue their validity in-game every single week, and it is hilarious to listen to. Hilarious, I tell you, hilarious! Um, can't recommend them enough. Of course, we have our sponsors there, as well as... Um, you can find the Game Master Stash uh, Facebook group is link is on there as well as stuff to um, Oricon's Lair who does an amazing blog. So definitely check out our growing list of, of partners. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Camden. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. This episode has been brought to you by Cliff. He does not like when you jump off him. Oh my god. <laughs> the Clifford. <laughs> the big red dog. <laughs> Turns out that that little girl was a ranger all along. <laughs> oh man, that was awesome. Um, I'm your patron. I'm you, patron Alan. What? I'm your patron Alan. <laughs> yeah, I know. His name's Alan. Yeah. <laughs> I would be that'd be weird if we didn't know that. Uh, all right, so um, thank you all for joining us. You guys are fantastic. We love having you in there, even when Nader is spending most of the time talking a lot of smack. He reminds me of that uh, guy off of um, off of The Simpsons who goes. Ha, ha. He reminds me just always talking shit, running his <laughs> mouth nonstop. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nelson. 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 Yes. Oh. Uh, <laughs>